Hey, everybody, hope you're amped up for another huge college football weekend as uh, we get rolling uh, right here on Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna, and as always, pleased to be joined by the author of the very finest uh, college football preview magazine and so much more, that, of course, being Phil Steele. Phil, week five already, my man, and uh, we, we've got some uh, some tasty matchups on the menu this week. You ready to go? You betcha, Michael. Let's hit it. Yeah, let's hit it. Let me give uh, all of you, and you guys are the lifeblood of what we do here on Strong as Steel. We want you to know that. Uh, we love your interaction. We love uh, your engagement with us. So, do that. Prove to me that I'm right at 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You know the drill. Phil and I, we cover everything all around the 130 and the FBS. You may think it is an, an obscure group of five matchup, not to Phil and yours truly. So uh, let them roll as we get set to go here on Strong as Steel. Also on Twitter, all right, at Phil Steel. Zero four two. That's S T E E L E at Michael Regai R E G H I at Jim Nabosna, our producer. Uh, a little bit later on, a few minutes, uh, Jimmy will get into uh, the Twitter mailbag because that's such an important aspect of what we do on Strong as Steel. So let's take a look at it and get this one rolling. We had a little bit of a shakeup, a couple uh, from last week that uh, dropped a few teams. But, Phil, there's no dropping at all uh, with the uh, the Clemson Tigers. Dabo and the boys, 4-0. But, oh, Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia, awaits at nighttime. It's going to be rocking and rolling, Phil. Dabo's uh, squad, they got that impressive resume. Now, last week against Boston College, it might have been uh, – one of those whole hums, uh, you know, a couple weeks after the Auburn win. But, Phil, we, this is a tremendously balanced offense with Kelly Bryant, 510 yards per. They're 13th in the FBS in rushing this week. Uh, Vatek, uh, we know young quarterback Josh Jackson, they're averaging 40 a game for head coach Justin Fuentes. Uh, how much of a factor, Phil Steele, is Lane Stadium in Blacksburg possibly going to be for the Virginia Tech Hokies this week? 
Well, the good news for Clemson is they are tested. And i got to mention this, Michael. Anytime we talk about Lane Stadium, it is my favorite football entrance of all time when they come out to uh, enter Sandman, that the stadium's electric. And uh, I'll, I'll watch that, you know, during the uh, the winter months. I'll just call that up on the Internet, enter Sandman, Virginia Tech, and watch the different openings. And it always gets me fired up. So it's a, it's a great entrance. But this is one game where I think there's going to be a little bit of a culture shock for Virginia Tech. They've got a a young offense that's been putting up the numbers. As you correctly mentioned, Michael, this is a team that's averaging 40 points per game. How about 507 yards per game? Their quarterback, Josh Jackson, Mm -hmm. 11-to-1 ratio, 65% completions. But let's look at the defenses they've taken on. The toughest defense so far, West Virginia, which I rate number 88. They've taken on Delaware, an FCS squad. East Carolina, one of the weakest defenses. And Old Dominion, one of the weakest defenses in the FBS. Now they're taking on, oh, Clemson, number one defense in the country. It's going to be a little bit of a culture shock there. I think all that success that Josh Jackson's been having will go by the wayside because this is a nasty Virginia or Clemson defense that's already recorded 17 sacks this year. And uh, I think that's culture shock number one. Secondly, Clemson does do well, uh, and he's proven well, Sweeney, against the uh, Bud Foster schemes. Last year, as an example, they put up 42 points in the uh, ACC title game. I think they'll be able to come up with the offense against Foster's schemes. So this is one of those things where Clemson last week was actually tied with Boston College 7-7 in the fourth quarter. But that was their breather week. They had just beaten Auburn in a huge game, just beaten Louisville on the road in a huge game by 26 points, I want to point out. And Louisville still has Lamar Jackson at QB. Now that was their breather game. I think you'll see Clemson get back to the A game this week. And I like Clemson to win this one by double digits. Yeah. You know, Phil, I'm right on it with you, and I'm so glad you pointed out about, uh, you know, Vatek and all the great things offensively. Yes. But, Phil, we only got to go back a week ago. Remember last week discussing Vanderbilt and everybody was high about playing Alabama? Look what happened. Phil discussing Purdue, all that offense at Michigan. Look what happened. Um, Yeah. So uh, I like your point about that, and that's why I referenced those two last week. So uh, Phil and I are in accord with that, and I like Clemson too. Uh, you have a lot of thoughts on your mind uh, here on Strongest Steel, 646-668-2248. Uh, let's go to the land, as it's known, Cleveland, Ohio. Here's Jeff with some thoughts about those Notre Dame fighting Irish and a Mid-American Conference opponent. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Mr. Reggae. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic. Great to hear from you. Lay it on us. What do you think about uh, at the Golden Dome this week? Phil Steele's got a lot of thoughts on it, I guarantee you. Yeah, I, I bet he does. Uh, I'm loving Gus Ragland. I think he's going to go right into South Bend. and I, I'm putting money in the money line. I think they're going to take the victory outright. <laughs> wow. Wow, Jeff, that is quite wow. a call. Yeah. <laughs> what? What is? Let me see what the money line is on that game. And I tell you what, Jeff, if they do pull that upset, I want you to make sure you call back next week. We will give you your props on that one because the uh, the money line's got to be pretty large on the twenty-one point dog. I'll see if I can find that while we're uh, talking about the game. Now, Gus Ragland this year is not quite the Gus Ragland of last year. Remember last year, Ragland came off the bench midseason, really turned it around. He mm-hmm. had 64% last year. 
This year he's only hitting 52% of his passes, so not quite as efficient uh, throwing the football this year. They have taken on some decent squads. I like Marshall, the team they played in the opener, uh, and they put up 425 yards against them. Uh, in fact, on the season, they're averaging 352. But uh, the thing they're going to have to do here is stop the run of Notre Dame. The Irish have one of the best rush offenses in the country, and they don't even run the triple option. They're averaging 294 yards per game, 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, and I, I think when you when you line up these two teams, uh, the, you figure the Irish should be favored by about three touchdowns in this one. Still don't see a money line on that. They must not come out with that till Thursday, but uh, you got to be thinking it's going to be a huge number on that. I actually like the Irish to win this one by the uh, the three touchdowns or more, but uh, appreciate the call, Jeff. Hey, Phil, we got to remove. We're going to red star Jeff, man. We're going to remember for next week, right? Because, as you said, if this baby happens, whoa, Jeff is uh, – I guess he's a major tout then. Phil, I had Miami at Central Michigan last week. Gus Ragland looked good. Now, they were coming off that loss to Cincinnati, and he two consecutive touchdown drives in the first quarter of 75 yards plus. They got out of the shoot 14 nothing, and then they uh, held the lead and won the football game convincingly. So I, I understand Jeff's enthusiasm for Gus Ragland. And the other intrigue one about this one, Phil, that you know, Chuck Martin was Brian Kelly's Offensive coordinator oh, yeah. for the uh, and on his staff for uh, four years before at Notre Dame before he took the Miami job. So, you know, always intrigue there, always. Yeah, appreciate definitely. the call, Jeff. As Phil said, yep, and we got Jeff marked down <laughs> again. We'll make sure we allude to Jeff again next week. Great to have all of you here on Strong as Steel six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Got the best in the business. Our man Phil Steele here. I'm Michael Regai, our producer Jim Nabosna. Let us uh, swing from Cleveland all the way out to uh, the left coast to California. Here's Tony. Tony, how you doing? Welcome to Strongest Steel, my friend. I'm doing great, Mr. Regai. How you doing? Fantastic. We always appreciate hearing from you. Uh, my Boilermakers are idle this week, so I'm looking at a contest out here on the West Coast. I'm curious to see your views and Phil's views on the BYU-Utah State. It's it's rarely that Utah State has an opportunity to beat a, you know, a more top-flight team at this point in time. How do you see it? All right, appreciate the call. And uh you know, Utah State I had I had was high on BYU in the preseason, as you know if you read the magazine, and I have been nothing but disappointed in their play so far this year. You look at uh you know, I thought that when you looked at Tanner Mangum, he's a guy that uh, is probably is definitely a better passing quarterback than what they had last year. I thought he'd be the perfect fit for the offense, and yet Mangum has struggled. They uh, they went to to Bo Hodge, uh in the last game because Mangum wasn't a hundred percent. Their offense is actually averaging 145 yards per game below what their opponents normally allow, so that's a little on the scary side. And their defense has not been as strong as expected. In fact, the last three games. They've given up an average of about 460 yards per game. So concerns about BYU. Now, with Utah State a couple years ago, Matt Wells was the hot topic. I mean, he had Utah State playing great. Uh, And then the last two years have been bitterly disappointing for the Aggies uh, with a couple of losing seasons. Now, this year they opened up with Wisconsin, played a good first half against Wisconsin. Then they played Idaho State and uh, ended up – 
uh, beating them. And then you look at the uh, Wake Forest game getting blown out. But last week they really showed me something. They took on San Jose State and rolled over them 61-10. to Kent Myers doing a good job at QB. They This is one of their big games every year. It's a big rivalry game between these two. So I know Utah State is going to be fully focused and uh, tuned into this. And I give them a shot of pulling the upset here at home. I, li- I like Utah State to uh, pull the upset in that one. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff, Tony. And, uh, boy, Phil, you're so right. I mean, the state of Utah, ooh, they get all ready to roll for oh. this one. And uh, you're, it, it, it does have a lot of influence in recruiting, bragging rights. I mean, you throw uh, Utah, University of Utah, into that. You know, you know when those, uh, any of those three play one another, it's, uh, it's big time in that state. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Michael. Out of all the uh, out of all the radio stations or, or across the country, all the states, Utah is actually one of the top eight states that I do radio stations in. It's uh, it m- mirrors those in the South. They're, 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 it's a football hotbed. I love it. Yep, not surprising. I'm right with you there. Always love the uh, the trips into any one of the uh, those three FBS universities there. Michael Ragai, Phil Steele, we uh, we do this for you each and every week. It's strong as steel, the most informative, most analytical, giving you the best assessment you're going to find anywhere on any of the 130 squads around the FBS. You guys are what make it. We appreciate your listenership. We love it that you are engaged with us. Uh, 646-668-2248. Let's go to uh, the city of Pittsburgh. A gentleman that refers to himself as the Nine Route with some thoughts on the ACC this weekend. Hello, Nine Route. How are you, buddy? Hey, Michael, Phil. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan. It's Yeah, it's Uncle Nine Route here, and i got a question about Georgia Tech, North Carolina. I love, I love that Georgia Tech offense, first in the country in rushing, and North Carolina's weakness is stopping the run because they're 86 in the country. I'm a little worried about – uh, a backdoor cover because North Carolina does have a top 35 passing offense. I'm worried about a 35-20 score late, and maybe North Carolina gets a backdoor cover. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Is the 10 points or 9.5 a, a little scary to you, or would you think that's safe for Georgia Tech? Okay, appreciate the call. You know, at the start of the year, I would have thought that uh, this one would be closer to maybe GT minus 3, but Georgia Tech has done nothing but play good. You look at that Tennessee game. I thought they completely outplayed Tennessee in the opener and looked great the last two weeks. As you touched on, great rush offense, as you would expect out of the option, but they're operating at uh, great efficiency with uh, Taquan Marshall. And North Carolina's been disappointing. They were favored over Cal, ended up losing by five. Uh, Louisville, they gave a good effort against, but still came up 12 points short. And then last week at home against Duke, probably a pivotal game. They really needed to win that one. They end up losing the game by 10 and, and did even get outgained by Duke. So they're a, a struggling team. Chaz Surratt has taken over fully as the quarterback. He's hitting 64% with a 5-1 ratio, doing well there. But they're allowing 4.5 yards per carry. In fact, Georgia Tech, if you look at the last uh, three times these teams have played, uh, Georgia Tech has put up uh, huge numbers, 6.3, 4.2, and 7.4 yards per carry, averaging over 300 yards rushing per game. And that is actually over the last eight games they've averaged over 300 yards per game rushing. So I think GT will do some damage. North Carolina has the backdoor potential, but uh, I, I like Tech in that one. And uh, frankly, I thought the number would be closer to 14, the way the two teams have played so far this year. Appreciate the call. 
Yeah, indeed, Phil. I, I'm with you on that. And uh, do you think North Carolina is going to, uh, you know, going to get it squared away, or is this some of the uh, the Mitch Trubisky uh, and uh, that old Bug Howard that offensive hangover that they're experiencing? Yeah, well, you remember Mitch Trubisky was taken over from Marquise Williams last year, so they they're usually pretty good at producing a quarterback. I wouldn't pin it on Chaz Surratt. I mean, like I say, he's got a five-one ratio, hitting sixty-four percent of his passes. Uh, this is a team that the, their defense is struggling. They're giving up uh, 50 yards per game above what their opponents normally average, and the the defense has been a major culprit for them this year. But they have taken on some pretty good offenses as well. You know, Lamar Jackson for, for one. Yeah, right. Yeah, no question about that. So, but but uh, you know, maybe a pivotal football game for Larry Fedora and his crew uh, against Georgia Tech. All right, we keep rolling on again, 646-668-2248. It wouldn't be an episode as strong as steel without checking in in the great state of New York, the American Athletic Conference in the spotlight. Hello, Mark, as we welcome him to Strong as Steel. How are you feeling today? Doing fantastic, guys. Good afternoon. Happy week five. I uh, just want to bring up this uh, SMU-UConn game. Uh, you know, I think uh, SMU has been having a great season. I mean, you know, a couple weeks ago they jumped out on TCU 16 to seven. Ben Hicks has a great 10 to three ratio, and I think UConn can maybe uh, argue that they might be one of the worst teams right now uh, in the FBS. Just you know, struggling with Holy Cross and uh, even you know taking the loss to ECU. You know, the line's at 18. I just think uh, SMU is the firepower to make this a runaway. What do you guys think? And uh, have a great week. I appreciate the call, and uh, all good points that you make, and I tend to agree with you on this one. You look at last week, Smoot took on a pretty good Arkansas State team and still clubbed them by 23. And last week on uh, all the sports centers, when I was talking about TCU, a lot of folks, in fact, it was brought up on, uh, I think, two of the sports centers. They said, well, if SMU can score 36 points on TCU, what's Oklahoma State going to do? And I said, oh, hold on a minute now. This SMU has got a pretty potent yeah. offense. Averaging 49 points per game, and that was a flat spot for TCU off of Arkansas with Oklahoma State on deck. And as it turns out, they actually had Oklahoma State to 31 points last week. So this is a very potent. Chad Morris has got this offense rolling. Ben Hicks, as you touched on, the 10-3 ratio. Plenty of weapons, a receiver. Uh, you know, and, and defensively, they're not bad. While the offense is outgaining opponents by 174 yards above their season average, the defense holding its own there. They're right about uh, at zero, about minus 27 yards, so that's pretty close. And, you know, Connecticut has completely changed. They've gone from a, a team that relied on the run game and defense to someone that's going to go to the high-flying offense now. And you figure that's going to hurt the defense, has it? Oh, big time. I mean, Connecticut last year uh, played good defense. This year they are giving up 556 yards per game. In fact, their opponents this year are gaining 239 yards above their season average. Now, here's the funny stat here. Uh, Connecticut comes in allowing 556 yards. Smoot comes in gaining about 500 yards per game. I'm actually calling for Smoot to total over 700 yards in this one because, as Whoa. mentioned, uh, Connecticut's given up 239 yards above the average. That would put you over 700. Smoot's offense averaging 174 above what the other team's given up. That would put you over 700. Over 700 yards offense for Smoot this week. I like the Mustangs. 700 yards of total. Oh, Ben Hicks. And I, 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 I watched him too, Phil. I like him. I like this, uh, this young sophomore. His arm may fall off though. If they're going to put 700 <laughs> up, he might have 500. <laughs> he might have 500 that through the air, but uh, no, you know, not a bad football team. So 
Oh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup. And no Bob Diaco anymore. Diaco, he's now, uh, you know, no, no longer the head coach of UConn, and he's at Nebraska. So a little bit of rough sailing right now for Randy Etzel, huh? Yeah, definitely. And and like I said, you, you would expect that coming in, making a major change like they did, going from the conservative offense to a, a wide-open offense. And uh, things, the results have not been good so far for UConn. No, they haven't. Phil Steele's here. I'm Michael Ruggai. This is Strong as Steel. You know how we do it. Your opportunity to check in and assess with us uh, your favorite football team, your favorite conference, any of the 130 around the FBS. We do it uh, live here at 12 o'clock Eastern uh, every Wednesday. And, you know, I know a lot of you are making your plans to go see your favorite football team in college football this week in action. Hey, i got the perfect way for you to do it. I get asked all the time what's the best way, the most efficient way to buy tickets, not only for college football but all sports events and concert. It's our friends at SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. They're, they're easy. They're the most effective way to get the seats you want and with your seamless uh, mobile experience. It's so simple. It allows you to buy and sell the tickets to the events you want. That's the thing. The tickets to what you want to go see at the prices that you want to pay. Fully guaranteed. You can see your favorite college football team, maybe your favorite musician, band, comedian, theater, I did it. I did it all summer long. Checked out Bruno Mars live this summer. Just a couple of taps on my mobile device, and boom, SeatGeek had me there. It's your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type of ticket, sports, concert, theater. Save the time and money. And you know the best part of your SeatGeek experience? You're a strongest steel listener, and that puts you right to the head of the class in the front of the line. We're going to get you $20 off. That's right, because you listen to Phil and I. On Strongest Steel, we'll get you 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is download that SeatGeek app, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, 20 bucks off, just like that. Be front and center where you want to be, prices you want, best seats you want, do it with SeatGeek. All right, great to have you along as we uh, got a lot of ground to cover here on the show. Twitter is so very important to us, as we said. And going to call in our producer, Jim Nabosna, right here, because a lot of you, hey, we want to make sure you know that you're just uh, a tweet away from getting your thoughts to us on Strong as Steel. Jimmy Nabosna, how you doing today? I know you got uh, the Twitter mailbag full. Fire away for us, buddy. Let's go to a plan B here, Michael. Yeah, Jimmy, are you there? Jim Nabosna, are you there, sir? I bet he is. Yes, sir. Jimmy, go right ahead with all the uh, the good tweets today. I'm sure you were. You're a busy guy. We're rocking today, Michael. We'll start in the Pacific Northwest with our friend Tyler Strobe. He said, does Oregon State cover coming off a bye versus UW at home? Well, you got to think Oregon State, if they're going to play a decent game this year, this is it. And here's a quick stat for you on Washington. I know that their offense this year is putting up the points. We're talking about 45 points per game this year. They've truly been effective. 
But one note about that, they have actually scored six defensive and special teams touchdowns this year. Now, if you take those 42 points out of the equation, they're only averaging 34 points per game, which would actually be number 51 in the country as opposed to their current number 11. And how about yards per game? They're only number 64 in total offense at 427 yards per game. So the way that Oregon State does stay closer than the number is on this game would be don't give up a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. Easier said than done the way Washington's playing, especially with Dante Pettis, the return man extraordinaire. But uh, I think that's the way Oregon State can indeed hang in this one. Give the ball to Ryan Nall. I know he lost his starting spot a couple weeks ago uh, because they want to get a little more speed on the field. But running Nall between the tackles, if you have some effectiveness there, that would help shrink the clock as well. And uh, those two factors would keep Oregon State under the uh, 26 and a half that's out there right now. Appreciate the tweet. Mikey Bones wants to hear your thoughts on the Thursday night matchup between Texas at Iowa State with Texas at minus six. And, you know, Iowa State last year uh, played Texas and uh, ended up going on the road in a a situation where they lost 27 to six, uh, got mauled. But the previous time they hosted Texas, shut them out 24 nothing. Now, Texas is playing much better since that Maryland debacle at the start of the year. They've had two really good efforts. They had a bye last week to get ready for this, so I think they'll be fully focused. I like the way Iowa State's playing. Jacob Park is a huge improvement at quarterback. Uh, He's hitting 67% with an 8-2 ratio this year. The defense this year is uh, still allowing opponents so 87 yards above their average, and I think you'll see Texas be able to exploit that. So as, as much as I like Iowa State, and they are a dangerous home dog, and they will be fired up for this, I still think Texas is the better team, goes on the road and gets the win by the touchdown or more. Appreciate the tweet. Tommy Touchy would like to know if Tulsa's inability to get off the field defensively last week. The matchup first Navy looks like a situation where the clock melts away. Is the total of 72.5 too high for this game? Uh, I don't think so. Go back to last year's game, Tommy, uh, between Navy and Tulsa. Uh, it's two completely different offenses against each other. So, you know, you look at uh, Tulsa's defense, they've struggled to stop the run all year. Navy always struggles to stop a good passing game. And uh, in this game last year when these two played, it was 42-40. to They put up 82 points on the board. Uh, I think when you look at the game statistically, Navy should be able to run the ball at will. I mean, they're averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, Tulsa's given up 6.93. But in the advantage to you and what you're looking at maybe underwise, Tommy, is the fact that uh, Tulsa did just play the option last week in New Mexico and did hold them to 16 points, and they're playing the option a second straight week. And in fact, they've got the option on deck. So you know this entire th- final three weeks of September have been dedicated to stopping the option. That would probably be your one best bet as far as that concerns. And as the game itself goes, I think Tulsa's got a shot here because when you look at two weeks ago, Tulsa went into Toledo. Michael called that game. Tulsa had a great shot at winning that. You had the two, the extra point return for two was probably a key factor in that. I thought they played great against Tulsa. Now they got this game at home. I think Tulsa's got a shot. Interesting to see what you think about that, Michael, since you called the Tulsa game. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I'm kind of with Tommy, and as you pointed out, I, the, the right now they they can put points up with anybody. Phil, you know Tulsa can. I mean, you, know, you got to love what they're doing. I mean, D'Angelo Brewer doing a terrific job. Chad President has really settled in, but 
Phil, they can't get off the football field. It's it's been a big big problem for them. So um, you know, and I know Philip Montgomery has some concerns about it too. So uh, we'll see if they get those things squared away this week. But um, you know, again. Uh, they got to stop giving up 45, 50 plus every week. First of all, I mean that's first and foremost now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that plays out. If there's some defensive improvements, uh, Jimmy, you got uh, you got more in our Twitter mailbag, correct? Let's let's, let's roll another one or two at Phil. Will do. At SMC says he expects Ohio to roll over a weak UMass team. Am I overlooking something, or do you see the same thing happening? Uh, you're overlooking the weak UMass part because they are not a weak team. I understand they come into this 0-5, but they played Hawaii, which was a bowl team last year, within three points. They went into Coastal Carolina, still scratching my head how they lost that game. Uh, they had a 40-yard edge in the game, and Coastal Carolina last week got beat by Western Illinois 42-17, to but they came up just short. They played a potent Old Dominion team, lost by 10. They played Temple, a team from the American Conference, only lost by 8. And last week they went into Tennessee and only lost by 4, and yeah, they had their opportunities there. And that was with Andrew Ford, their starting quarterback, going down, and Ross Comas coming in off the bench. He's hit just 6 of 17 passes this year, and they still took Tennessee to the limit. So it's a UMass team that may be 0-5, and you may dismiss them as a weak team, but they're not really a weak team. So I, as high as I am on Ohio, which I am this year, I've got them picked to win uh, the MAC East this year. Love what they did a couple weeks ago going into Kansas and coming out with the win, getting the overtime win against Eastern Michigan last week. Uh, this is not going to be an easy game. I think it's priced right at the 8.5. I'd favor Ohio to win it, but UMass hasn't been blown out by anybody. Their largest loss this year has been 10 points. Appreciate the tweet. And at Danny Zay says, which underperforming team do you see winning in the Nebraska versus Illinois game? One of them has to figure things out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think in this case it is definitely uh, Nebraska. You go back to last week's game against Rutgers, probably should have been a bigger margin, gave up the pick six for a touchdown at the end of the game. They had two drives where they settled for short field goals. If they kick either, uh, score a touchdown on either, they win that game by 14 points. And here is the thing that I have seen the biggest improvement. Now, Michael brought up Bob Diaco before. He is the defensive coordinator uh, for Nebraska right now. And there's a remarkable stat. You look at the first six quarters this year that Nebraska played, they gave up 886 yards. Now that translates out to 591 yards per game. 78 points translates out to 52 points per game. So in the first six quarters this year, they're basically giving up 52 points per game. Since halftime of that Oregon game, they've played 10 quarters. In those 10 quarters, they've given up 584 yards. That comes out to an average of 233 per game. And if you take away those three pick sixes that Tanner Lee has tossed, they've given up a grand total of 21 points on defense or 8.4 points per game. So Diaco's got them playing defense. They need Tanner Lee not to throw the interceptions, and especially the interceptions for touchdowns. And when you look at Illinois, you know, they came into the year. I was banking on a different starting quarterback. He didn't qualify. They went to Chase Crouch, who was the 
running quarterback, and it didn't work out. Now they went to Jeff George. The two quarterbacks they've got are hitting 52% this year with two touchdowns, five interceptions. I don't think Illinois does anything against that Nebraska defense, which is playing great. On the flip side of the going, as long as Tanner Lee doesn't throw the interceptions, I like the way Zigbo and Wilbon ran the ball last week. I think they'll be able to run the ball on an Illinois defense that just gave up 376 rush yards to South Florida. I definitely like Nebraska in that game. Great stuff on Twitter from all of you. I really appreciate it. You guys are showing your A game once again. You do it on Twitter as uh, Jim Nabosna just took us through uh, this week's mailbag. Again, kudos to all of you. And uh, we're going to get back with you, too, at 646-668-2248. That's how we roll here on uh, Strong as Steel. Uh, we we got a couple more of uh, – there's one more that we'll get to that is uh, – uh, with top 25, top uh, 25 uh, matchup implications attached to it. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Let us uh, roll into uh, the state of New Jersey. And with some SEC thoughts in mind, uh, here's our guy, Moody. And we say hi to him. And um, as I said, he's thinking SEC. Hey, Moody, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Oh, man, I called you last week about the Army Tulane game. This week I'm looking at Florida Vanderbilt. I see the point spread is around 10. I don't see how Florida even sniffed two touchdowns in this game. I know Vandy's coming off this loss, this embarrassing loss to Alabama, but I do trust in their defense, and I think they motivated. I don't see the suspensions in Florida. I don't see how with the suspensions and injuries. And this game was like 13-6 last year or something similar to that. I don't see how this game gets to a 42 total or how Florida covers 10 and with Vandy's motivated to come prove themselves this week. What you guys think? I appreciate the call, Moody. And uh, I'm going to agree with you on the uh, the under aspect there because uh, I think Florida's got a very good defense, as we saw the last two weeks, actually. Vanderbilt has struggled to move the football. A grand total of 14 first downs the last two weeks and a total of 14 points the last two weeks. And uh, uh, Florida's defense should be getting more used to the suspensions they had up front on the defense. I think you're going to see them improve weekly. Uh, and and really, they've played a pretty tough schedule. If you look at the three offenses so far, Michigan, Tennessee, Kentucky, I'd rate all of them ahead of Vanderbilt. So I'm looking for Florida to have a good game. Now, go back to last year's game. There was an interesting play at the end of the game. Florida had a first and goal at the two. They were about to punch it in for a touchdown, which would have given them a 14-point win, 20-6 to last year. And then they just fumbled the snap. Vanderbilt recovered, and they did not score and only won the game by seven. And that was at Vanderbilt. Now they get the game at home. I think Florida's offense with Del Rio at QB looked a little bit sharper last week against Kentucky. I like what Malik Davis brings to the offense at the running back position. He's averaging 7.5 yards per carry. And then Kadarius Toney, he gets you out of the wildcat, gets you a receiver, even threw a pass last week for 50 yards. He's an electric player. That uh, So they're starting to get over those suspended. You know, they lost their top running back, lost their top receiver. They're getting over that. They're now getting fine, fine-tuned at the quarterback spot. And I, I actually lean with the Florida. The price is low enough in this one, but the under looks to be a good play as well. Appreciate the call, Moody. Yeah, outstanding, Moody. And uh, you know, Phil, I was very intrigued with Derek Mason this uh, on Monday. You know, wanted to really hone in on uh, what he had to say about his football team. Do you think that that bruising they took from Alabama? I, you know, how much of a carryover effect is this going to have for the rest of the year? Do you think ultimately, eventually, they'll get back on track from it? 
I think they'll get back on track. And here's the thing with Vanderbilt. Uh, they were feeling themselves a little too much in the last week's game, you know, spouting out a little yep. bit, you know, we're going to win, bring oh, yeah. on Bama, all that stuff. And, yeah. and uh, so Vanderbilt's now back to where it should be, which is the underdog. And they're going to love being the underdog now. So they're one of those teams like a Northwestern that just plays better in the role of underdog. And I don't know if they were, you know, I think they, they thought too, a little too highly of themselves heading into last week. They'll be back in that underdog role and beneath the weeds. So I think you see an improved Vandy the rest of the year. I hope so because, you know, it's good for college football. I said the same last week, and, and Phil, the point you just made, and that's why I brought it up in the beginning of the show, both Vandy and Purdue, they started to chirp, chirp, chirp a little bit too much last week, and both of them got taken to the woodshed, and neither one of them could move the football. So, you know, I'm hopeful that head coaches Derek Mason and Jeff Brom, Brom mentioned it too. He said, uh, we're going to get that under control. So we'll see if both of them do to get their football teams back. Back on track because they both got uh, whacked around pretty good by Alabama and by Michigan. All right, strongest steel six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Let's keep rolling here. You guys are terrific coming up with some, you know, out, not only outstanding matchups but great thoughts by all of you. Let's go to Columbus in the state of Ohio with some more thoughts uh, from the SEC. Excuse me, the ACC with another program that's struggling right now. Here's Miles. Hi, Miles. How are you? Hey, Michael. I'm great. How about, how about you? We're both good. Go right ahead. Phil's waiting to break it down for you. All righty, Phil. I got one for you here. All right. Wake is only a seven-and-a-half-point dog versus Florida State at home. Um, they have uh, two great road wins so far, BC and App State. Gives them a good chance here. Um do you think that Florida State will enter October winless? Wow, that's a good question. You, you got you got undefeated <laughs> wow. against just just as you would expect, Miles. Here it is: it's Florida State and Wake Forest. <laughs> one of them is unbeaten, and the other one is winless, just like you would expect. Except it's Wake Forest that's four and zero. And frankly, until last week. Wake Forest had impressed me in every game, uh, all three of them, the Boston College win, the Utah State win, even the Presbyterian win. They were dominating on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Love what I was seeing on John Wolford at QB. And then last week they threw in a real stinker, got outgained by 150 yards by App State, sort of fortunate to win it. App State missed a field goal at the end uh, when it sure looked <coughs> like they'd be able to kick the game winner and beat them. So, uh, not impressed with what I saw from Wake last week. And with Florida State, they have taken on – two outstanding defensive lines. And while I rate Wake's defensive line number 25 in the country coming in, I think it's good. The one area that they're not getting a lot of achievement in is pressure on the quarterback, just five sacks in four games. And I think if you give James Blackman some time to throw, he'll be much more effective, as will that offense be. They still had 382 yards against a quality NC State team. And, you know, even against Alabama's uh, offense, they put up a decent amount of yards, even though the points were only seven. So I think you're going to see Florida State in a desperate situation. They need to win. They're not going to take Wake likely. All they have to do is look at the records. 4-0 Wake, 0-2 Wake, Florida State. I like Florida State to go on the road and get the win there. Appreciate the call. Good stuff, Miles. Phil, can you imagine the intensity and uh, all of the uh, the grit and grime that's going on at Jimbo Fisher's practices this week? Can you imagine what he's putting his nose through. 
Yeah, and normally when you take on Wake Forest, you're like you you're going to give your B or C game. You know, if you look at uh, you know yeah. not this year's Wake, but in past years, and this will be an A game for Florida State because uh, I think Wake Forest record will have them on guard. Yeah, no question about it. We'll be paying close attention to that as we will all of them. Got to get Phil Steele involved with with this one. How about those Georgia Dogs? Number seven now in the land. They're four and zero now. They got to go to Knoxville, Phil against 3-1 and one Tennessee. Dogs just rolled Mississippi State last week. What a win for Kirby Smart's boys. But, Phil, they're getting, they're getting veteran play, Phil, veteran quarterback play from this 18-year-old wonder kid, the true freshman quarterback, Jake Fromm, a PS number five, right? You had him as a PS five, the Parade All-American, coming out of uh, high school. He's averaging 31 points per game. They look real comfortable. They're growing, Phil, while Tennessee – Oh, Butch Jones being heavily scrutinized in Knoxville. That seat's getting hot. Uh, Does Georgia continue to roll with Jake Fromm? You know, I think if the game's played on paper, you absolutely say yes. Georgia wins this game by 14 to 17 points. I've watched Tennessee. I watched them get pushed around by Georgia Tech. Uh, even last week, struggling against UMass. But Tennessee just seems to rise to the occasion when they play some teams. They always seem to play to the level of their opponent. John Kelly is one of the best running backs in the SEC. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry. And a little questionable last week, they scored a touchdown. They pulled Dormandy out of the game. They put Garantano in a QB for a few series. And after that, their offense really failed to ignite the rest of the game. I think they stick with Dormandy this week. Now, no doubt, like I said, if you play it on paper, Georgia's the better team, both offensively, defensively. Give them special teams. They're playing better. They've got the more confident quarterback. They've got a bevy of running backs with Chubb and uh, Sonny Michelle. And then how about Swift, the way he's been running the football? Uh, Good receivers. But Tennessee's at home. They're getting over a touchdown. I I think Tennessee somehow, someway, cobbles together one of those efforts and takes this thing to the wire, as most Tennessee-Georgia games do. Wow, you see it going down to uh, maybe a final possession, huh? Yeah, wow. three, four point I, game. Uh, okay, yeah. I listen. I'm. Uh, I've been paying close attention to Kirby Smart and his Georgia squad because you know if you listen to the rumblings out of Athens, Georgia, you uh, you kind of think he he needs something like this a big year, double digit win season. So, yeah, we'll see. Tennessee's 0 24. Phil, you're 0 24 against top ten squads since Philip Fulmer's last year. Isn't that amazing? 0 and 24. Yeah. So uh, that sure is. Yeah, we'll see if they get that turned around. No question. All right, six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. All right, Phil, let's uh, put our Big Ten hats on, buddy. You ready to do that? We gotta, we gotta get your thoughts on uh, Paul Christ and his Wisconsin Badgers. They host Northwestern, coming off the bye. I've been really impressed. I know you have too. With sophomore quarterback Alex Hornibrook. Uh, he's got a 70% completion percentage, 8-1 TD pick ratio. Jonathan Taylor, run game, terrific. 430 yards already, average over eight, a carry fill. Uh, you know, now, now this gets this Northwestern D. I mean, uh, you know that uh, that head coach Pat Fitzgerald's got to got to get them ready to go here. But, I mean, can't, first and foremost, are they be able going to be able to curtail Jonathan Taylor in this Wisconsin run game? Yeah, you know, here's the thing with Northwestern, and if if you follow them, I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Vanderbilt and how they play better as an underdog than they do as a favorite, much the same with Northwestern. Uh, make Northwestern a favorite, they struggle, they get upset a bunch, make them an underdog, they pull these upsets where you're like, how did that happen? 
Go back and look at Northwestern's last nine games they've been in a way underdog. You know how many times they've won outright? How about seven of the nine games? They went into Notre Dame in 2014 as a 17.5-point dog, went outright. At Purdue, went outright. At Duke as a dog, went outright. At Nebraska, went outright. At Wisconsin, a 10-point dog in 2015, went outright. At Iowa as a 12.5-point dog last year, went outright. Michigan State, a 6.5-point dog, went outright. Ohio State last year, they were a 20, basically a four-touchdown underdog. They only lost that game 24-20. to they somehow cobbled together the effort and almost knocked off Ohio State in Columbus last year as a four-touchdown dog. So I like the way they played in their last game against Bowling Green. They put up 678 yards offense. They finally got Justin Jackson on track. Uh, Clayton Thorson at QB hitting 64% this year. Uh, the defense, after getting a world over by Duke, played better against BG in Nevada. Granted, it's not Wisconsin, but it's just one of those games where, yeah, on paper, you would favor Wisconsin by 17-21. to 21. They've been one of the most impressive teams in the country. In fact, they're playing at an average game grade, Michael, of 107.7. Northwestern playing at an average mm. game grade of just 83.9. That spells blowout, yeah. but... I've gone against Northwestern in a few of those games that I just mentioned, and uh, they end up winning outright. Wow. So I think Wisconsin's <laughs> got to be careful with this one this week as a uh, as a large uh, favorite. I hear you. So uh, tread lightly, on, and I'm with you. By the way, I you know Pat Fitzgerald, he'll he'll have them ready to go, and we'll see physically if they can. Uh, Hold up with the pound. You know, interestingly, you're with us. Interestingly, on, go ahead. Interestingly, Phil. on this one, Michael, at the uh, at the start of the year on the uh, the Big Ten Network, almost every single analyst picked Northwestern to win the West. So it's uh, they're not chopped yeah. liver. They had a bad game against Duke. I think that that was a game where they were favored. Maybe they said, "Hey, we mm-hmm. beat Duke handily last year," and now they're back in their better role. Yeah, they seem to be. So uh, again, this is this is one that we are going to watch and pay very close attention to, uh, as, as Phil laid out, because of uh, because of uh, Northwestern's success playing as the underdog on the road. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Maybe the most entertaining football game Phil still last week. James Franklin and his Penn State Nittany Lions ranked four in the FBS. Uh, they needed that final touchdown throw from Trace McSorley to Juwan Johnson on the last play of it to beat Iowa. So they escaped there. They escaped Kinnick Stadium at night, got the two-point win, of course. Uh, now they uh, they host Indiana. Um, you know, in Indiana, an offensive-minded football team. But, you know, again, defensively, are they going to be able to deal with Saquon Barkley, my choice for the Heisman Trophy winner before the season began? Uh, Phil, do you see any off that emotional win? I mean, could we factor in? Uh, they're, yeah, they're going back home, but a little bit of a, a little bit of a hangover and uh, looking ahead here from Penn State. Yeah, it could be because they've got Northwestern on deck, which is a big game. Now, the one thing I want to point out too about last week's game with Iowa, you go in the first half, Iowa had exactly one play from the Penn State side of the field, and that was after an interception. They score a touchdown on the next play, and they're winning 7-5 at the half. Mm-hmm. Penn State had a 579-273 to yard edge, a 29-11 to first down edge, <laughs> Excuse me, but kept settling for field goals, and that's what kept Iowa in the game, and that's why they needed that late touchdown. So still, you had to be impressed with Penn State's overall offense, defense. They just need to get rolling a little bit on the red zone. Indiana's a scrappy team. 
I like the fact they started using Peyton Ramsey, the more mobile quarterback, uh, at splitting time along with Legau, and I think he gives him a little bit different dimension. Morgan Ellison, a true freshman, had a big game rushing last week. Simi Cobbs, at receiver, has been a dynamic uh, kid. Getting him back on the field has been great. But uh, I I like Penn State to win the game. I I think this is one of those games where I think Penn State's about a 17.5-point favorite. I don't know if they're going to get huge margin in this because of the situation off Iowa, Northwestern on deck. But uh, I like Penn State to win it by something like the 17 to 21 points. Okay, interesting. Right now, today at this moment, Phil Steele, uh, give me your top four squads in the Big Ten. Just rank them the way you feel that they it would go one to four. You obviously know the four I'm talking about, but rank them for me. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with Alabama, uh, the complete team. Uh, number two, Clemson, about as complete team as you can get out there. Number three would be Oklahoma, and then number four is really where – all the question marks uh, abound, and uh, right now, you know, uh, boy, it's. I would have to say, of the four that, or of the rest of the teams that are up there, it'd be tough for me to choose. It'd be either uh, actually either USC or Washington would grab it at number four spot, but then you've got a whole bunch of Big Ten teams in there. And the great thing is, we got a lot of season left here. Yeah, we do. Uh, because I heard, and then check out Phil tomorrow on Sports Center, by the way, and on other shows, as he'll be in Bristol. Um, give me your four top teams right now today in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten. Some order of Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, number one most talented team right now is Penn State. I don't think they win the Big Ten because of the situation that they have to go through, hosting Michigan very next week, traveling to Columbus to play Ohio State, which is fresh off a of bye. Uh, number two in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. I would take Ohio State. Uh, number three, I would actually go Wisconsin. And number four, Michigan. I need to see Michigan's offense do a little bit more. They looked good under O'Corn last week in the second half, but I think I still need to see them be a little bit more consistent. But they arguably have the best defense of the bunch, so they're all pretty tight. And uh, I think all four of yeah. them have a legitimate shot at winning the Big Ten. Ooh, it's going to be intriguing, isn't it? It's going to be a lot of fun matchups uh, between those four. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that as we go through here on Strong as Steel. Great to have all of you with us, 646-668-2248. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regga. Our producer is Jim Nabosna. All right, Phil. I, you know, well, what happened to Mike Gundy, Mason Rudolph, and friends in Oklahoma State last week? They got ambushed in that 44-31 to 31 loss to TCU in Big 12 play. Now, this week they got to go to Lubbock, Texas, Phil. Now, they won eight in a row, and they've dominated this series, but they cannot afford a loss to, to keep their Big Ten goals intact. Cliff King, Kingsbury's Raiders, they're 3-0. and Back-to-back wins. Arizona State at Houston, 127-24 last week. That we were talking about so many teams offense. How about Texas Tech averaging 45 a game? And Phil, what we you said 700 yards. They're up near 587 yards of total offense. Uh, I, you know, I mean, is any are either one of these teams' defense going to show up at all in Lubbock on Saturday? Is Oklahoma State Texas Tech battle? Uh, it'd be tough for them too because both have high flying offenses. And you know, last week you, sp- you spoke at Sports Center. One of the uh, the big plays I had on Sports Center last week was TCU, and the reason for that was it was by far the best defense that Oklahoma State had faced all year. And TCU's did its job defensively in that game, holding them to 31 points. Now 
can't make the same statement for Texas Tech. They're a team where Nick Shimanek is throwing the football over the field, 11-1 ratio, 74% completions. Uh, and Oklahoma State, now that they're back to the level of defenses they were taking on at the start of the year, I think gets back to its highly potent self. Uh, probably scores close to 50 points per game, 50 points here. So you got to expect the high-scoring games. And uh, the total in Vegas on this one, Michael, 81 and a half. But can you imagine anybody going mm. with the under in that? Because you got you got to think both offenses <laughs> no. score a bunch. But uh, this is an Oklahoma State team that was super impressive prior to TCU. They're not taking on TCU's defense here. They're also not playing with the pressure they did last week. I thought there was a lot of pressure on them, uh, you know, a lot of hype about Oklahoma State. Now they're back under the radar, and I like Oklahoma State to go on the road and get this one by double digits. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm, I'm with you uh, entirely on that one. So, uh, you know, we'll see what that trip to Lubbock, how that plays out. But, again, they cannot afford now, if they want to keep those Big 12 goals intact, you know, you can't can't lose on back-to-back weeks, so we'll see how Oklahoma State responds. Phil, let's go out to the uh, the Pac-12 here on Strong as Steel. Here's one of our top 25 matchups. The men of Troy, those Trojans of USC, uh, go, and this is on Friday night, by the way. This is your Friday night special that we'll all be locked in on on ESPN. The Trojans uh, got to go to Washington State. Now, they got they got a couple of uh, fourth-quarter touchdown throws, Phil, from Sam Darnold last week that cemented that win at Cal. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the – and by the way, this is the fifth consecutive home game. Did you, I'm sure Phil knows that. They opened up 2017 from Mike Leach's crew. Five in a row at home. His quarterback, uh, Luke Falk, is scorching right now. He's putting up 43 points a game. He's thrown 14 touchdown strikes. Uh, you know, I mean, wide receiver Tamaris Martin has caught six of them from Folk. Uh, okay, Phil, real simple. Mike Leach's squad, Wazoo, are, are we going to find out if they're for real here this weekend on Friday night? Yeah, I think we will. And uh, this game reminds me of what we talked about with the, the Clemson and Virginia Tech matchup, where you look at Washington State. Okay. And you look at the points that they're putting on the board right now, and as you touched on, 44 points per game, 504 yards per game. You have to be impressed with that. In fact, they're the better team statistically here. Washington State's outgaining their foes by 242 yards per game. USC only by 140. So you have to think Washington State's got a great chance. But let's look who the two teams have played. While USC has been taken on my fourth toughest schedule in the country, I'm talking about Western Michigan, a very good MAC team, Stanford, Texas, California, all teams that are flirting with being top 25. Meanwhile, Washington State's been playing Montana State, a Boise State team that is nowhere near what its blue self has been in recent years, Oregon State, which has struggled against everybody, and Nevada, which has struggled against everybody. In fact, their uh, passing game is taken on by number 48, number 113, number 122 pasties, and an FCS pastie. Now takes on my number four rated pastie in USC, one that's allowing just 49%. Washington State's also allowed 14 sacks in four games. USC's recorded 11 sacks. So while they come in averaging 44 points per game, keep in mind in the one real team they played, Boise State, they had 21 points in regulation. They got a lot of points in overtime yeah. in that one. So this is a ESPN Friday night game. I like USC to play like they did against Stanford a couple weeks back and, and win this one more comfortably than expected. 
Capella, you surprised, and again, I, I mentioned he injured the fourth quarter, co- engineered the fourth quarter comeback. Are you surprised that the seven picks that Sam Darnold has thrown in the first four All-USC wins, you, you think he's being a little loose with the football at times? Uh, maybe the word wouldn't be loose, but maybe the word would be too confident, you know, thinking, hey, I'm Sam Darnold, I'm the top pick for the draft, and I can make that throw, and it's been costing them. Those interceptions uh, have definitely hurt, and I, I think they might reel them in a little bit, especially when you got Ronald Jones and Stephen Carr in the backfield to hand off to. You don't have to yeah. force a lot of passes. So I'm sure that Coach Helton is telling him, look, Sam, if it's not there and he's not open, don't throw that football. I know you think you can make any throw out there, but let's have a little less confidence, and uh, that's an unusual thing to tell your quarterback. Yeah, I like that assessment, though. You're right, man. I love Ronald Jones, by the way. Wow. You know, Saquon Barkley's my guy, but Ronald Jones, whoo, love to turn around and hand the football off to him. Uh, we continue on here as strong as steel. All right, Phil, remember last year at this time when we'd get into our group of five, it was P.J. Fleck in Western Michigan running off wins week after week after week. Now it's our guy Rocky Long with his San Diego State Aztecs. And, Phil, remember our preview? You Both of us said, hey, they might run the table. Remember that? We said at Arizona yep. State and then Stanford, they, both of us, they might run the table. Here they are now against uh, the Northern Illinois Huskies, showing to be a very, very good football team. Phil, how good is San Diego State, and are we still on, on track with this, that they could conceivably be looking at a 12-0 and regular season? Yeah, San Diego will still be favored in all the rest of their games this year. Look how their defense is playing. They're giving up just – they're holding opponents to 195 yards per game below their season average. So that's a very good defense. they got Rashad Penny in the backfield is averaging 7.9 yards per carry. And even last week in a downpour, uh, Christian Chapman threw for 180 yards. Had a pretty good game. So that's a very dangerous San Diego State team. But remember Clemson-Boston College last week? Clemson had just played two huge games back-to-back and took a little bit of breather against B.C. They had this big game against Virginia Tech coming up. Well, for San Diego State, they knocked off a Pac-12 team in Arizona State. The very next week, they dominate Stanford, a Pac-12 team. The very next week, it's their Mountain West opener against the option of Air Force. And next week, they play a very potent offense in UNLV in another Mountain West game. Rocky Long, for years, has put more more eggs in the basket of the conference games than he has non-conference games if there's going to be a breather because after UNLV it's Boise State on deck this is your breather week and it's not the team you want to take a breather against and here's an interesting stat Michael it just stood out at me I was looking at the defenses in yards per play Northern Illinois Mm -hmm. is number four in the country number four they're only giving up 3.6 yards per play that's the same number as Clemson is allowing this year that really stood out to me. And they went into Nebraska, came out with the win. Now, granted, they were outgained by Nebraska, 384 to 213. They got the two pick sixes, but they were up at the half, 14 nothing, and sort of clinging to a lead. I like what uh, Santa Canarina is doing at the quarterback spot. He's uh, giving them decent passing. Uh, so this is a Northern Illinois team that's off a bye. They're fresh, and unlike San Diego State, which figures to be playing their C game, Northern Illinois figures to be playing their A game and already upset Nebraska. I like Northern Illinois plus the points to keep this one closer than expected. 
Yeah, Rod Carey's football team will be ready for this. Make no mistake about that, as as Phil pointed out. As we uh, wind things down, and again, you guys so uh, special and uh, such a big part of what we do here on Strong is Still. Phil, let's go right to the top, my man. There are 16 unbeatens in the top 25 this week, and uh, I think no one was more impressive last week when the top dog, uh, Nick Saban and his Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, they're hosting 2-1 and one Ole Miss this week. Uh, dominant, stifling, uh, however you want to say it. That 59 nothing pasting that they put on Vandy last week was impressive. Damian Harris with three TDs and a buck 51. He averaged 12 yards per carry in the route. The defense just completely clamped down on Vandy in that win. Nine in a row for Bama over the SEC East. Phil Steele and Mold Miss well, they got a week to sort out that loss that you and I talked about last week at Cal back on September 16th. So, I mean, my question, can, can Shea Patterson, the Ole Miss quarterback, 11 TD passes, can he do enough against Alabama's defense, some of the things that Kyle Shermer and Vandy couldn't last week? You know, I, I think that they might be able to, to make a little bit better of a game. they got more talent overall than Vanderbilt does. They won't be chirping. Alabama won't be hearing about uh, I heard somebody interview Nick Saban last week on a Friday, and they asked him what it was like going against the number one defense in the country. Boy, that would infuriate me if I'm Nick Saban because I'm thinking I've got the best defense in the country, and yet Vanderbilt was number one statistically, and people were calling him that. So you saw Alabama come out with that focus. And keep in mind, their last two home games, they only beat Colorado State by 28. They only beat Fresno State by 31. And Ole Miss has got some players. Defensive line, they got players. they got Shea Patterson. So as much as Mississippi has been a thorn in Alabama's side, I don't know if we'll see that A-plus effort out of Alabama, especially with a trip to College Station on deck. I like the Tide to win this one and win it by about four touchdowns. And one quick note I want to throw out to all the podcast people, and I'm definitely going to get it done on Friday, and that is this. Uh, Phil Steele Plus is a great source of uh, information. You can learn everything about every team you call up on Phil Steele Plus, and I'm going to have a Phil Steele Plus Game of the Week broken down for you on philsteel.com on Friday. So make sure you go to the website, philsteel.com on Friday. I will have a Phil Steele Plus Game of the Week and show you the inner workings of Phil Steele Plus and all the information you get from it on a weekly basis. And Michael, naturally it's 1 yeah. o'clock. i got to hit my next show, so it was a lot of fun as always. I will let you wrap this thing up, and uh, it was great talking to you again, my friend. Go ahead, young man. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week. Phil Steele, everybody. So make sure, yeah, you get, you'll get all of his red and greens, his, his color codes on Phil Steele Plus. You won't want to miss it on Friday. That's going to do it for us, as Phil said. Great hour. Terrific. All of you, I, I can't thank you enough and sincerely tell you how much we, uh, we love all of you being connected with us here on Strong as Steel. We do it at 12 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Eastern, uh, every Wednesday live on Blog Talk Radio. You also, of course, get on iTunes and you won't miss a thing. Pull it up as you please and as you like. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, big thank you to Jimmy, who keeps everything running smoothly. Without him, we wouldn't be able to function. Again, though, the most of all, uh, the, to you. Great to have you part of Strong as Steel. For Phil Steel, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Enjoy it, everybody. Have a terrific college football weekend that really gets rolling, as we said, with number 5 USC and number 16 Washington State on Friday night on the ESPN Family and Networks. Great weekend to all. I'll talk to you. Phil will talk to you. Jim will talk to you next week right here on Strong as Steel. Till then, 
Have a terrific football weekend, everybody. So long.